So you won't get that through something somewhat what someone else picked up. You'll only get that as you lean in yourself and you hear from him this morning, yeah? I want you to to get rid of any junk before we start. <laughs> because in order to receive from God, you have to have an open hand, which means you have to let go, don't you? You can't hold on to that um, hurt or that pain and with it, and still have an open hand, can you? You need to open your hand, let go of the weak, whether it be good or bad, and come to him with an open hand. Fantastic. So I love the word of God, and we're going to get straight into it. This morning I'm going to read to you 23 verses. Are you up for that, church? <laughs> uh, 23 verses. I'm going to talk to you this morning from Acts 10. And it's the story of Peter and Cornelius. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. And it's because every time I read it, I just get gold. God speaks to me so much through this passage. And so as we read it together, um, I just want you to take note of a few things. What, what, what the Spirit actually is saying to you. Here we go. I can't actually see that well, but let's, let's do it. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He had all his family were devout to God uh, and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Verse 3. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Thank you. (laughs) He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send to me to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him was gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and devout soldier who was one of of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Here we go, verse 9. About noon <clears throat> the following day, as they were on their way, journeying and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found their way where Pe- found out where Peter's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Peter, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Verse 21. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you were looking for. Why have you come? 
The men replied, we have come from, from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be their guests. I want to this morning just pull out a few points from this passage of Scripture. It's an amazing story, and I've only told you half of it. But um, there are some things when I read this that jump out to me, and I just want to bring them to your attention. The first thing is this, number one, prayer and generosity gets God's attention. I wonder what gets your attention. I wonder what you take note of. What did you take note of when you walked in the building this morning? What got your attention this morning? You know, for us, we notice how many people are here. We notice how hot the coffee is. We notice who's worship leaning. But, you know, God, he notices differently to us. Some of you have noticed what I'm wearing. But God couldn't care less what I was wearing. He's looking at my heart this morning. And it's the same with you. What do you notice? You know, what we think God notices or what we notice isn't actually always what God notices. And it, it feels a bit funny saying that because God is God. Doesn't he know everything? But what we emphasize isn't always what God emphasizes. Here we see that God was totally taken by Cornelius because he was devout in prayer. So his devotional life was pumping, basically, and for his generosity to the poor. It says in verse 4, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as memorial offerings before God an offering that God took notice of. This is what Matthew Henry says. They were upon record in heaven, in the book of remembrance that was written there for all who fear God and shall be remembered to his advantage. I read that and I went, wow, I want that. I want that, God. I want you to remember me. I want what I do to be remembered by you. Men may forget it. Men may not get it. Men may not see it. But God, I want what I do to come up as a sweet-smelling offering to you. Is that the desire of your heart this morning? Do you want God? Are you working for an audience of one or an audience of many? Who are you seeking to please? I love that. I read that and I went, God, I want that. I want what I do to get your attention. Here we see what gets God's attention. It's not church attendance. It's not a position of a pastor or a preacher. It's not signs and wonders. It's not self-sacrifice. It's prayer and kindness. It's prayer and kindness. Don't we always make it too complicated? It's prayer and kindness. Considering God and considering people. You know, Cornelius was excluded he wasn't a Jew. He was excluded. He loved God a lot, but he wasn't included. Or he thought he wasn't included. <laughs> but you know what I have noticed? 
that exclusion and consecration look very much the same. Let's have a look at that. I've noticed that exclusion by man looks a lot like consecration by God. Take Joseph, for instance. He got pushed into the pit, didn't he, by his family. But was that exclusion anything but consecration by God? Yes? What about David? David was in the paddock, wasn't he, looking after the sheepy. Excluded by man, not even in the lineup. But what happened? He was consecrated. Out there, he was consecrated. What about Gideon? Gideon had excluded himself. Where was he when God called upon him? He was hiding behind a vat of wine. He had excluded himself. But do you know what? He was actually the one that was set apart and consecrated by God. And for you in your life, I know every single one of you, you would have experienced rejection or exclusion of some kind. You can look at that as being not good enough, rejected, pushed aside, or as you could use it and look at it as a divine appointment by God, that he has set you apart and consecrated you. And we can't make sense of it sometimes. It, you know, we can't explain it. But we just have to know that even though we are excluded by man, God sees and knows and cares, and he has a good plan for our lives. Here we have Cornelius. He was excluded because he was not a Jew. But guess what? God made provisions anyway, didn't he? As we can see in the story, God made provisions for him. His heart was recognized. His gifts to the poor was rec were recognized by God. And God made a way for Cornelius. And I love that. I love that. Even though men ignore you, guess what? does not matter because God sees your heart and he will make a way for you. Cornelius stayed fully devoted to God even when he was excluded. Even in that time of exclusion, he was fully devoted to God. Is that good? I think that's good. Point number two, the second thing I picked up was, when it comes to the details, God has got it covered. This is probably my favorite part of this story. Here we have Peter, who is a Jew, and he is in Joppa, and he is not a family man, so he's a bachelor. And then we have Cornelius, who is not a Jew. He is in Caesarea, which is about 48 kilometers north of Joppa, and he is a family man. Peter and Cornelius are opposites. Never their paths should meet. They live in different towns. They, they spin in different circles. One is a family man. One is not a family man. If they passed each other on the street, which would probably be impossible because they would just never be in the same vicinity, but if they did pass each other in the street, they wouldn't even bat an eyelid. They're poles apart. They're poles apart. And the only way that they come together the only way they connect is by divine appointment. The only way they, they fulfill what God has for their lives is by divine appointment. And I love that because sometimes we in our heads go, 
Mm, how's this going to happen? Mm, how am I going to meet that person? Mm, I, God, I believe you've called me, but I don't understand how it could possibly happen. But God makes provisions for his people and he puts together people that need to be put together. Do you love that? Do you know what I love about this also? I see that although Cornelius is the one that needed to hear the message, Peter is the one that came to Cornelius rather than Cornelius the one that went to Peter. And I think it's because, (laughs) who knows why? But really, I just pick up this point that Cornelius had a lot of responsibility. He had a family. He, was, he had a high-profile job. He had a lot of responsibility over here. Peter, he didn't have a family. He's a free as bird, wasn't he? He didn't have too many responsibilities. He could run faster. He could fly higher because he wasn't carrying as much. And I just, when I read this point, I thought of all the single people in the room. Sometimes we look at our singleness as something that um, is not a good thing. We feel like we just want to get married or we just want to be in a relationship. But I think that the season of being single is a great gift from God. It's a great gift from God because like Peter, you can do things that people with greater responsibility cannot do. If God tapped me on the shoulder and said, Lozzie Lot, I want you to go to deepest, darkest Africa, I would, there would be so many logistics I would have to get together. I would have to process three kids through that, you know. And I'm not saying that people that, that don't have kids or aren't married don't have any responsibility. I'm just saying you can do so much more in this season than you can when you're married with kids. And so I want you to remember that and I want you to take hold of your single season and I want you to run as fast as you can because there may come a day when you can't run as fast and you can't go as far because you have the responsibility of caring for others. These men are in totally different places, yet God connects them. Their meeting is divinely orchestrated. It's not a coincidence. You know what? I believe God still does that today. I believe God still does that today, that he connects people for a reason. He orchestrates relationships. God still wants to do that in our lives. Peter had great need to speak and Cornelius had great need to hear and he brought them both together. Peter needed to speak, Cornelius needed to hear. Two needs needed to be met and their needs could be satisfied in their coming together. And you know what? I believe God wants to do that. You have a need, whatever it may be, and someone else has a need But as you come together, both your needs are met. Sometimes you can run around trying your hardest to make things happen. But really, sometimes we just have to let go and let God make it happen. Sometimes we can know that we are called, but we can't see the how. But there is such a grace in a gap 
and God can fill it for you. God knows how, God knows who, God is awesome with detail and he is awesome with divine appointment because he's divine. I'll say that again. God is awesome with divine appointment. So why are you worrying? Why are you concerned? Why are you fretting? Why are you anxious? Why are you fearful when you know that God is awesome with divine appointment? He is awesome with right time, right place, right people. You know, coming to this church for me has been a right time, right place, right people. My heart needed healing. And this house, every time I drive up that expressway, I have this thing that goes off in my head. I'm going to the house of healing. This house has been a great house of healing for me. And I know for many others of you, you know, and I I just prophesy that this morning, that this house will be known as the house of healing, that it will be the testimony of many people. You know, with everything that's happening with Grant at the moment and and Meg's and and how Megsy is learning about the um, unique self and how we're learning to become not just healed physically but whole, that our body, soul and spirit would be alive, fully alive in God. As we're going through that process, I believe we're not just going through that process for ourselves. I believe we're going through that process because God wants great health to come to his church and he wants great healing to come upon those that need it. And so I just want you to remember that even in the seasons that seem hard, there is great purpose attached to it. And God has a a divine appointment for everything that happens in our lives. Okay, point number three. Are you good? Number three, the third thing I picked up was that listening is greatly underestimated. We see that the key thing for them connecting was that they both had an amazing encounter with God, did they not? Peter was up on the roof and he he, he says he fell into a trance, which means that God was fully there. A trance, um, from what I remember studying, is sometimes you have a vision. You see a vision, but you're aware of what's around you. That's what a trance is. A trance is just a vision where you are unaware with what's around you. It's like, you know, all you can see is, is, is what's being communicated. And over here, we heard Cornelius, and, an, and this is the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, yeah, came to him. And so they were both set apart. They both positioned themselves to receive from God. They both in their devotional place. They were both in their prayer closet. They were both in their war room. They were both in their separate place. And when they were both in their separate place, God was able to direct their steps so they could be connected. I wonder what we're missing out on when we forego our secret place. Do you think it's just a pick-me-up for you so you can get through the day? It's not. God has divine appointment for us. And we will not see it or hear it unless we separate ourselves and we place ourselves in that position of being able to hear. You know, my relationship with God isn't just for me. It's for my husband. It's for my children. 
It's for my friends. It's for my family. It's for my neighbours. It's for my community. It's for my extended family. My relationship with God, what God does in my heart directly affects the people that are around me. So what God does in your secret place is actually has a flow-on effect. It flows out of you, yeah? Yeah, and it affects those around you. So I don't want you to underestimate it. I don't want you to think, oh, I'll just read my Bible. Maybe God might say something to me. No, it is imperative that you hear from God because it will affect your life and the lives around you. Yes? Yes. Deuteronomy 8.3 says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from my mouth. Without listening to God, we remain ignorant of secrets essential to our success in God. My favorite verse, I've shared it before, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah 33.3, Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you knew not, not of, that you don't know. God wants to tell you stuff that you don't know. <laughs> Important stuff. Important stuff. So please, church, make time for him. Make time for him because he wants to do good things and he wants to use us in it. Believe it or not, we do not know everything that we need to know. And so we need to listen to him. You might have a nice life without listening to him. But I don't think we're called to a nice life. I think we're called to an amazing life. A life full of testimony of the wondrous works of God. I want those God stories that leave people with their mouths hanging open. What? No way. This is what the story of Peter and Cornelius is. It's a, oh my gosh, no way. That's amazing kind of story. And that's what God wants for us. He wants to give us testimony that leaves people's jaws open. Gobsmacked, that's the word. Stories of God's power and grace and provision to tell our children and our God and our grandchildren. You know, I personally have got a few, few of those stories myself. But instead of telling you um, any of those stories this morning, Lottie, you can come. I just wanted Lottie to come and tell you a little bit of story about this church. A God gobsmacking, jaw-dropping, oh my goodness, no way, God, you're awesome. Sorry. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> After that introduction, it is pretty cool though, and I'm I'm actually going to share a few more of them on Tuesday night at Heart for the House. But just one that Loz asked me to share this morning. Um, two weeks ago, I met with a guy who um just used to live in Maitland and was part of a group of people um used to do prayer marches around Maitland intercessors in the early 90s. I don't know if any of you were around then or maybe even a part of that. I've talked to a few people that were, but they used to tell me they used to do like this Jericho walk around Maitland and just declare it as a city for God and a town that God would use. And, um, and he told me that in the early 90s, they were standing out near the roundabout out there and they were looking back towards this site and the cinemas were there and the, the, this was Harvey Norman at the time. 
and they declared and they prayed in the spirit they were praying and they they looked at this side and they said i see a church on this lamp they're looking back over here and this was in the early 90s this is a good 10 years before grant and meg's even considered moving to maitland to plant real life church it was even before they considered moving to this building but they just spoke it into being in the early 90s saying god we god revealed it to him said we see a church here and then for him later many years later he found out because he moved away that there was a church in the old harvey norman building and he was just like that's amazing we declared that in the spirit and it took how long how long have real life church been in this building for 10 years so it took some time to come it didn't happen straight away but it did happen and it was declared in the spirit and you mean today we're experiencing it and in the fruit of it and you just go that could only be only be god that would say that and so i'm excited about the other things that were declared and spoken out back then that we haven't seen the fruit of yet and um, i'm going to share a bit more about that on tuesday night as well so that's just another example of god at work isn't that amazing i think we should clap 10 years at least 10 years before you even came here it was prophesied that their church would be on this land. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. That's a divine appointment, is it not? That's a connection that God made. That bloke that prophesied that, he's not even in this church. He doesn't need to be in this church because it's not his work, it's God's work. But I want you, church, to be excited about things like that. Excited about the divine appointments. So excited about the prophecies that have gone before because he is so awesome at doing things on his own, is he not? Doing things with no reference to man <laughs> at all, just him and for his glory. I love that. So we have to listen to him because in order to build a great church and be a great influence in this city, listening is imperative number four how long do i have number four ten minutes here we go god's timing is precise verse 17 and 19 says this while peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision the men sent by cornelius found out where simon's house was and stopped at the gate they called out asking if simon who was known as peter was staying there while Peter was still speaking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them. So, I love this. I actually wrote this point and did a little happy dance in my lounge room after it. Because <laughs> I got so happy after getting this point. Because what happened was, Peter is on the roof hearing the will of God and he was asking God what it meant. What? What? You're doing what? What? He couldn't get it. It was a radical idea God was showing him that everyone now was included in this thing that God had done. What? For a Jew, that was crazy talk. And he's trying to get his head around it, but at the same time, the people who God sent days earlier, had turned up at the gate. So, what am I saying? I'm saying that God, before he tells us, he sent it before he told us. He sent it before he told Peter about it. Peter, shut up. 
go downstairs. The people are at the gate. Oh, okay. I actually started this work way before I told you about it. That is what was happening. And I'm thinking to myself in my bedroom, oh my gosh, God, you mean the things that you've told me now, the things that I'm starting to get excited about, you started working on them way back then? Who knows how long God's been orchestrating stuff and then all of a sudden it turns up at our gate because he works on our behalf. And I love that. I love that nothing ever catches God by surprise. I love that we're surprised, but he never is. I love that when we're going, um, I don't know how to do this, God. He's going, well, actually, I planned it. Just walk outside. They're actually at your door. And I just, you know, even in my own heart, I just said, God, I just believe you're going to deliver stuff to my door. You're going to drop stuff on my doorstep. You know, you're going to drop stuff in my handbag. You're going to drop stuff in my pocket. You're going to... Your goodness is going to come to me. I'm not going to be like this in the dark. Where do I go? What do I do? Who do I talk to? Confusion is not going to encompass me. I I just see, I'm going to see the way before me clearly because God, you are my provider and you know where I am and you know where I need to be. That's exactly Peter's story. God knew where he was and he knew where he needed to be and he made provisions for it. And not only did he provide it, but the timing was perfect. It was like perfect, perfect. I'll show you how perfect it was. Where is this thing? Um, while. That word while that starts off verse 17, while Peter was wondering. Do you know what it means? While. It's just such a sneaky little word there. But it means a particular time or a specific exact moment while at that precise moment that he was wondering about it the men were there at his gate and I just went God you're so good you've got it all covered so you wake up today and it's not just about today but it's about encountering what God has shown you before and spoken before Today is not just about today, but it's about the fulfillment of yesterday's prophecy. It's about harvesting yesterday's seed. Today is about fulfilling yesterday's prophecy. We are the fulfillment of yesterday's prophecy. And you know what? We are to harvest yesterday's seed. And can I tell you something, church? There's a lot of seed gone into Maitland there's a lot of seed gone into this church. There's a lot of seed that has gone before us. And God has given us today in order to harvest it. Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows what you needed before you even ask. Today he is working for your tomorrow. In fact, he covered a lot of it already on the cross. Did he not? Already on the cross he is taking care of so much of it. So don't be anxious about anything because he has got it covered. Okay, I've only got five minutes, so um, I'll just do my last point. P- point five, verse 11 to 16. God shows Peter, do not call anything impure 
that God has made clean. Point five, God knows how to prepare us. The prejudices that Peter had against the Gentiles would not prevent him from going, would have prevented him from going to the men um, to see Cornelius if he had not been prepared before God, by God beforehand. Did that come out right? He had these prejudices. I'm a Jew. I'm special. I'm called of God. You're a Gentile. You're not. He had these prejudices in his life. But God needed to prepare him to get rid of his prejudices in order to go where God wanted him to go. You know, if he didn't have that preparation by God and those men turned up at his gate, he probably wouldn't have gone because he's like, nah, I'm not going with no Gentile to see no other Gentile. But he did because he had that special preparation by God. And God knows how to prepare us, doesn't he? He knows the, the best way to prepare us. And I think what we need to do, church, is we have to remember to let him teach us. Let him teach you because he knows the best way to prepare you. Peter probably didn't feel like going with the men. What was going down here going to do? But it was a really big deal. What he was doing was he was changing the rules. All of a sudden, he was preaching the gospel to a group of people that hadn't been included before. And I love that. I love how God breaks the rules sometimes. Can I have the musos, please? This morning, I've said a lot. I've given you five points. They are, prayer and generosity gives God's attention. When it comes to the details, God has got it covered. Listening is greatly underestimated. God's timing is precise, and God knows how to prepare us. You know what would be really stupid? and I've done this many times before, will be to leave this place and have this just be a sermon that you forget about and don't apply to your life. But I think I have given you five areas that you have to think about in order to see if you need to apply it to your life, yeah? What, what's the use of jibber-jabber without any application, What's the use of it going one ear and, and out the other? You just warm the seat. That's all that happened. Unless your life is changed, unless you take note, not only about what God has said to you, but how are you going to act on that? So some of you, you know that your devotional life needs a bit of a revamp and is pr pressing on you, yep, I need to concentrate on that this week. Others of you, he's talked to you about prayer and generosity. And there's something that he's laid in your heart to pray for or someone that he's called you to help, to give to, to hold up, to encourage this week. Some of you need to just let him teach you and say, yeah, God, I know you want to prepare me for something and I've been a bit resistant to you. So this week... I'm going to let you teach me. Whatever it is, 
I want you right now just to close your eyes. And I want you to go, how can I apply this message? What is the application, God? We're grateful for your word, Lord. Lord, it's a two-edged sword. It's alive. It's living. It's active. I love how your word goes out and it doesn't return void. And I pray for the seeds that have been sown in the men and women, Lord God, in this place this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to find application for it, Lord. Maybe we just need to change our posture. Maybe there's something that we need to say that we haven't said. Something that maybe we've noticed coming in here, Lord God. And nobody else noticed it because it's you putting your finger on something specific in that person's heart. We thank you, Lord God, that we can be changed and transformed through your word. And I pray that that's what will happen this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks, Loz. You know, I love um, that point about the timing of God being precise and perfect. And that phrase, the divine appointment. And just as we close our service this morning, I'm, I'm very aware that for some of you today might be that divine appointment. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says this, Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And it's no coincidence, it's no accident that we are here together. And I don't know where you are at with God or where you're at with your relationship with Him, but if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, you're not in relationship with Him, then I want you to listen to that scripture one more time. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And I would like to say that today is the day of your salvation. Because there is an opportunity right now for you to be made right with God, for you to be in relationship with Him, for you to choose this day, this moment, 11.26 a.m., Sunday the 28th of August, and say, today, at this moment, I'm going to be made right with God. You might be far from Him. You might be um, just wandered off the track. I don't know where you're at. But if you're in this moment, and right now you would like to reconnect or connect with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask you all to just to close your eyes for a moment. And if you're here today and you want to know what it is to be loved, accepted and belong as a son or a daughter of God, to be in relationship with Him, then choose this moment and say, God, I want to be in relationship with You. And you can do that right now by raising your hand just so that I can see it. And just saying, yeah, that's me. I want today to be my day. I want this moment to be my moment where I connect with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I want my destiny to be changed today because of the decision I make to invite Jesus into my heart. And I'll give you a moment to do that and just say, yeah, that's me. I want to know who Jesus is and how he can change my life. Thank you. I can see that hand over there. That's great. Is there anyone else? Maybe it's coming back or maybe it's beginning. 
whatever it is, his arms are open, ready to receive you. If you raise your hand, just one of our team are going to come and connect with you after the service and, and help you and just have a chat. You can come and see myself if you would like. But thank you for that person that raised their hand. It's never too late. It's never too late to make today your day and your moment. And that's amazing. God, we thank you for that person who has reconnected with you today or has connected with you. May they know what it is to know your love and your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.